Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. You deserve the glory. You. 
David, you know, he asked me, he said, Hank, I, I really would like you to share a little bit of your testimony. And I'm like, okay, we can do that I'm in a sermon format. And so I started thinking about it and I said, maybe I can invent a new word called a, um, a sermon noni, you know, a little bit of a sermon in a testament. So, and I say that a little bit jokingly, but I'm going to refer a lot of scripture, um, not necessarily going to break it down, but these are scriptures that Kim and I have held on to during our journey with Jesus that helped us get through some of those difficult times. 
And so it's a little bit different and, and than maybe normally what you have on Sunday. But my hope is, is that, that we come to an understanding that in our faith journey with Christ, and that's intentional, with Christ, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about that. This is where God teaches us, as the scriptures teach us, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I remember when I first started to read that and, and, and look at that, we said, what about working out my salvation? I don't understand that because once I'm saved, you know, it's all done, right? I wish that was the case, <laughs> but that's not always the case. In fact, that word salvation, when you dig into it, it actually means wholeness, healing, complete. And so we, we're not complete. I mean, how many here are perfect without sin? Anybody? Right? No, I, I would love to be able to say that, right? But none of us are. And so we need to understand this. In fact, it's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, that says this. Paul's talking to the believers. He says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. That's very applicable today. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So what does that mean? You know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, immediately what happens, we repent, we turn our old ways, we turn towards him, and the Holy Spirit comes in and becomes one with our spirit. And a term that in theology, that, you know, theologians love to throw out there, they call that initial sanctification. That's that first step. That's the journey to Jesus. But then, and I can remember, and we'll share a little bit about our, our testimony in a minute here, but I can remember a lot of things changed immediately for me at that time, but not everything. You know, and I always wondered, like, God, why did you change some of those things, but not everything? But we have to work out that salvation. And so that is what's called ongoing sanctification. It's that day-to-day -day walk with the Lord that he wants us to, to live in and, and, and grow in and get to know him and trust him more. And then ultimately, ultimate sanctification is when the Lord returns or we go to be with the Lord before then. And so I, I like to use this analogy, and I've always used this. So a little bit of theology here before we get into, into the testimony. As I always love to use the analogy of a baseball game, you know, it's the batter is at the plate, he's hit the home run, it's done. As Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. But now you've got to run around the bases until you safely get home. And that's our journey. And so let us pray this morning, and I also want to lift up the men that are in our church and Pastor David as well. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time, this honor that you've given me to share a little bit of what's on my heart today. Father, I pray that everything I say brings glory to you, and as that's the prayers, and as we did in prayer time this morning, Lord, that we would all draw closer to you, and we would be different and more like you than when we first walked in through these doors, Father. Father, I lift up the men from our church and Pastor David that are, are gathering and rising up of men in Fayetteville, North Carolina right now. Let your Holy Spirit just rise up. Those that don't know you, that they would receive Christ, that they would even step out and be water baptized, Lord. And that those that do know you, Lord, that they would grow closer with a, a passion and a compassion for you, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said this was going to be a sermononi. That's a new word. Maybe that can go viral. You young kids, you can t hashtag it, right? Sermononi. Um, I say it's my story. I've been married to Kim for 34 years. It's really our story, right? Now, I must clarify, we were 10 when we got married, okay? So I, I, that's not true. <laughs> so this brings me to the importance of, you know, of what I want to share a little bit today. It says 1 Peter 3.15. It's a verse we hear all the time. I like the, the um, CSB version. 
You know, the best version of the Bible is the one you read. So, okay, so it might be a little bit different than you used to. But it says, be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You know, Peter is, is talking to the church here, and he's writing this letter that we need to be ready. And what is that hope? That hope is the salvation of God, that spiritual awakening that's in us. We need to always be ready to give an answer. And so I want to challenge you a little bit as we go a little bit through our story. Can you give an answer? Are you ready? Why not? Or maybe another little bit challenge you, like, I know the answer. I just don't share it with too many people. We're all guilty of that at times. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to get anybody upset. But I want to ask you, if God has transformed your life and changed it dramatically, why aren't you telling others? So we begin to sit there and start with this story. I didn't grow up in the church. My family wasn't adverse to God or the things of God. We just, we didn't think about it. We just went on life, did our own thing, and whatever we thought was right was right. And, you know, it, shortly at the age of 22, uh, I met this young lady named Kim and fell massively in love with her. In fact, I was so in love with her that I had to make sure she said yes quickly. So I asked her to marry me, like, almost immediately. And it's a true story. The night I met Kim... I actually told a friend of mine, I said, I can marry her. I want to marry her that day. And Kim also felt in her heart, which was really neat, and said that she felt an angel had told her that this guy's okay. You can trust him. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> thank you, Sam. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you... Um, it wasn't long into our marriage that our brokenness growing up started to show. Wasn't necessarily going down that path. I started seeing some paths that were there that, that I was following patterns of my own family. And I remember, and Kim and I were sitting there talking about, we're like, there's something more to life than just this. And we started to seek. We're like, God, what, you know, I, I didn't. I believed in a God. Kim had actually gone to church. It was more, it wasn't, but didn't have a personal relationship with God. It was a mainline congregational church in New England. But we were sitting there saying, there's got to be more. And I just want to pause for some of you. If there's someone in here that doesn't have a personal relationship with God, I want to encourage you. You're here because of that same seeking, that same spirit of God that wooed Kim and I to want to know him is doing the same for you today. And so that's what happens. The Holy Spirit starts to move in. And, but we were showing our, break, our brokenness. And, you know, the verse that supports this, you know, John 6, 44, I wanted to read it to you. It says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That's that Holy Spirit drawing you towards him. And I will raise him up on the last day. As I said, I didn't grow up in the church, but Kim did. But again, we were, there's something missing. And in 1990... Okay, we're just barely married about a year, year and a half. I started a corporate career job. I was ready to, to take on the world and, and, and conquer the world. And Kim started her first teaching job. And without getting into a lot of details, and there's so many pieces to this story, but in, in, the, in essence, I, I was just focused on my career. You know, um, we didn't have cell phones back then, so I didn't call Kim. We go weeks. I was on a training program, and Kim's like, 
okay, what's going on here? So Kim was convinced, and I still tell her to this day, she didn't need to worry about this, but Kim was convinced that she had to work out, starve herself, and look so good when I came back from my uh, three-week training program that this wouldn't be an issue. It never was, Kim. It never was. But what happened on that day, Kim could barely stand. She's about to, to teach, and Kim will tell more of that story at another time. But there's this little girl named Natalia Torza, eight years old. Just looked at, looked at Kim. I didn't think I was going to do this. Looked at Kim, and, and, you know, the Holy Spirit was working. Strong family of God. And she said, Mrs. Waltmeyer, I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. Wow. Immediately, Kim starts telling me about this. And we're like, oh, this is huge. This, like, what is she talking about? What does she have? There's something special. And there was all kinds of different encounters that God lined up. But the next thing we know, uh, at the end of the school year, we're having dinner with little Natalia's family. And uh, I can still picture little Natalia's hand on Kim's shoulder. And while we were on our knees and we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart as their parents prayed for us. It was transformational. It was like, pow, man. My, my, I'm like, this is incredible. It was a whole new world that, I, I, that we were exposed to. We didn't even understand it. I honestly would tell people I found a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and it's all for everybody, and it doesn't run out, and we all can have it. That's what I felt like when that initial journey to Jesus came, in, came into my life. And I'm so thankful that Kim and I came to the Lord together and blessed us in that opportunity. So immediately, now the next thing is, where do you go to church? (laughs) We don't really. And so we started going to this church, and we met all these wonderful people, just like when Kim and I came here two years ago. said, look at all these wonderful people at MCC. We were just blown away that there's all these nice people, and they care about others, and they're not selfish, and they're going to do whatever they can to help others in time of need and trouble. So I love that verse, do not forsake the assembling of the brethren, because, man, we were in church on Wednesday night. We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday, Saturday mornings, whatever we could. We got involved with it all. I remember one person actually said to me once, he goes, I was wondering what your motivation was. That's a whole other sermon right there, right? We jumped into everything. In fact, with that, we also witnessed to everybody. Everybody knew. My, my boss knew. My colleagues knew. Our neighbors knew. Our family. Our friends knew. Everybody knew. And I could say maybe a few times I didn't share as lovingly as God wanted me to, but I was so excited about what God has done in my life. It was huge. You know, and Kim, what did she come to realize? Kim, being adopted by these wonderful parents, now realizes she's adopted into the kingdom of heaven. It was transformational, amen? Yeah, feel free to clap for that. But several years later, I was so excited about what God was doing. And this is now about three, four, five years later. And uh, I don't remember exactly when, but I, I wanted to become a minister. I said, oh, forget this corporate thing. I, I want to become a minister. So I studied, and I started taking classes. And then all of a sudden, the church asked me, and they said to me, excuse me, technology here, I'm trying to be cool. There we go. The church asked me to quit my very successful job. They said, just quit. We're only going to pay you about a third of what you're making, but go ahead. But you know what? I was so excited about the kingdom of heaven. I'm like, yeah, done. Let's do it. And I know a lot of people in ministry that make a lot of sacrifices. And, and the thing that was amazing, I remember the story. Jacqueline didn't know I was going to share this. Jacqueline's here with me, my son-in-law. And you saw me holding our grandson. And Jacqueline's going to have twins. 
coming here around Christmas. Exciting time. Two boys. So it'll be three little boys running around. But anyway, I remember I wanted to make sure this was a family decision. And I'm, I, I remember as clear as day. And I said to Jacqueline, she's about four, five years old probably at the time. I said, Jacqueline, we have two options here. I can continue down that corporate path. We're going to have all kinds of good toys and fun things to do. I might not be around as much, but it will be good, right? And then I said, the second option is, you know, I won't be traveling as much. We may not have as much toys. You know, I'm trying to explain this to a four-year-old, right, five-year-old. I said, but I'll be at the church every day. I said, which option? I still remember as clear as day. Jacqueline goes, two. Option two. Just like that, all right? It was awesome. So the, the, the forward a little, to go a little bit more forward in, uh, in, in our journey, as Jim actually mentioned, I didn't know he was going to share this, we spent 10 years of ministry in full-time ministry. This is where we actually met Pastor David and Lois and their family. We've known you all and since Sammy was 15 years old and coming and just doing ministry together in, in Connecticut. And uh, it's, I'm so excited to be back with you all again. I went and got my master's of divinity. I built a three-year adult Bible school, graduated 64 students, 18 classes. It took three years in their first graduating class. Stepped into faith to lead a church in Savannah, Georgia. Everything's great, right? It's fantastic. I'm doing everything that God wants me to do. But one day, and David and Lois don't know, Pastor David and Lois don't know I was going to share this. I hope you don't forgive me. I know you will. It's be good. We're sitting on the back porch of our house. We're having dinner. And David said, and now this is like five years into the ministry. It's 15 years since being a Christian. And David said, have you ever experienced God? Oh. I was like, wait a minute. And I, what did I do? I started to tell him. I said, well, let me tell you about my transformation about 15 years ago. Let me tell you what I started to do five years ago. Well, what was going on today? You know, and I started, it really started to bother me. And I said, I started thinking, I said, how did this change? Why did this change? What is going on? And so there's a verse in Matthew in chapter 7 where Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Oh, good. I'm doing the will of God. I'm in ministry. I'm doing everything I need to do. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now, let me clarify on that passage of Scripture, first of all. That's talking to someone that never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. That they did a lot of things for the kingdom of God, but they didn't have a personal relationship. Kim and I had a personal relationship with Jesus. But it just started to sit there and say, but what is that relationship like? So I started to dig in, and, and I started to sit there and say, how with such a dramatic salvation, such incredible moves of God, did I get to a place where someone says, have you ever experienced God? Do you remember that, Lois? Yeah. I think I cried pretty hard on that one. <laughs> but you see, the, the, the title of this sermon today is The Journey with Jesus. When we accept Christ, that's the journey to Jesus. But now we have to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. And we have to start to work about it. And so my hope today, I'm going to share three points very quickly through our story in our life, is that, that we stay excited about the journey. And I'm going to touch on it, whether it's an easy one or a tough one. 
I'm hoping that we will learn and grow in the decisions that we make in that journey. And the last one, which is one that I struggle with a, a lot, is do I take the time to stop and pray and pay attention to what God's doing through me or for me and my family in that journey? So how do we get excited about the journey when things don't go planned or as hoped for? That's the first challenge. I know it's not easy, and some of you might say, hey, Hank, you know, you didn't live the life I lived, so it's a little bit different for me. That's true. I didn't. But we all face some type of circumstances and struggles. We've had quite a few people give their testimonies in this church and how God has transformed their lives because they trusted him in the process. You see, one of the things I think we have to grab a hold of is that eternity, we lose sight of eternity. We lose sight of Jesus, ultimately, but we lose sight of eternity. And if I were to draw eternity in this room, I couldn't draw it because it's endless, but it would be a line all the way past that wall and through this wall. And our life, whether it's 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, or 100 years, is a tiny, tiny little dot on that line. It's so tiny, but it's so important. It's that journey with Jesus that we're going through. And so what am I saying? Well, I'm, I'm saying what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2. And I told you I was going to just reference a lot of verses today. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Joy? Experience joy in a trial? The Word of God says it, so we got to believe it. I'm not saying it's easy. But then why? Why are we just to... Call it all joy, because in Romans 8, 28, Paul says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Boy, that's kind of, that's kind of tough when, when we lose a job, we lose the loved one, all the different things that can happen in life that we didn't plan, we didn't get that promotion, or whatever it might be. How do we count it all joy? How do we, how is this good and I tell you, and we all know this, we've heard the scripture, it's not that what happened is good, but if we trust God in it, he'll make good out of it. So I'm going to tell you a story of many that, lessons that God has taught us through my journey. One of the things that Jim said at the end, I didn't know he was going to say this, but I was going to share it with you. I did have an opportunity to pastor a church in Savannah, Georgia, a good old Yankee from New England going down into the depths of the, of the south of Savannah, Georgia. That was an interesting, that's a, that's a whole nother hour we can talk about. But I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't there long. Maybe six months, if we, if we count every minute and hour to get there. It felt like a lot longer. I'll tell you, during that time, I'm this man of faith. We stepped out in faith. We sold everything. A lot of people financially, you know, that we're talking to said, this is a really risky thing you're doing. We did it at a time of our lives where it wasn't a good time to sell your house, and we just gave up everything, and we just went. Well, a few months later, I dropped about 20 pounds. I was so just, we couldn't sleep. Kim and I couldn't sleep. We started taking over-the-counter sleeping pills. Started drinking a big glass of wine before going to bed to help us sleep. All those things. But yeah, I, look, God has called me. All these wonderful things. Without getting a lot of detail, you know, we uncovered a mess that was there in Savannah. Let's just leave it at that. And I was like, no, we didn't sign up for this. I was disillusioned. 
I remember these long walks we take around this pond in Savannah, Georgia, or lake, or whatever it was. I'm going to tell you something that I haven't told too many people, but I had convinced, I was convinced and told Kim, there is a God, but he doesn't really care about the details of our life. Now, that's a deist theology, right? But I was getting to that point, and why is that so dangerous? Because the next step is to believe that God doesn't even exist. Because I'm like, how did you do this? Because we were now in Savannah with no home, no money, no finances, no jobs, and trying to figure out what do we do next. So immediately we called Dave and Lois. And they're like, move to, move to Charlotte. We weren't ready to make a change. So we went back home, went back to Connecticut. But now this is home, so we're glad to be here. So we stepped in faith, and I thought I messed up. And Jacqueline didn't know I was going to share this. But I'm sitting there at Forsyth Park, that cute little, nice little park in, in Savannah, downtown Georgia. And I'm like, I, I guess I wasn't called. And Jacqueline said, and spoke the truth of God, and said, Dad, you, may, you were called here. Maybe you just weren't called to stay here. But Jacqueline, that was pivotal because I started to listen to the truths of God instead of the condemnations and insults of the devil. And that's what we wanted to do. And that's what I want to encourage all of you. When circumstances happen, you have many choices. One of them is you could have just given up. We could have just given up and said, we're done. We're done with the church thing, the hypocrisy, the evil that we found in corruption. We're done. I guess it was a joke. We could have, like many of us do, I'm going to hold on to the journey. I'm going to continue down this journey, but I'm not going to get involved. The church thing, that's not of God. I'll just read my Bible and stay at home. That's good. It's not great, but we chose, and I really do believe when that first truth was spoken and we started listening to the encouragement of God's word, that we chose to trust God. You know, the devil is nothing but a liar and a repeater, and that's all he does. We give him way too much power, and I, this is a whole nother sermon on a side, but when we're going through circumstances, kick out the devil, be done with it. Now focus on Jesus. So many in the church spend more time yelling at the devil, they don't that they're speaking more to the devil than they are to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the promises. And that's what we started to do. We needed to make sure that God's voice was louder than the devil's voice. Because the devil is just a noisemaker. He's a roaring lion trying to destroy, but he's on a leash. And that's the leash of Jesus Christ. And he's going to be thrown away permanently at some point, And it's going to be a glorious day. That's where that ultimate sanctification. But one of the verses, which we all probably use quite often that we held on to, is in Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We would speak that over and over. When we would be down sitting in Savannah and going, how do we get home? We have no money. We have no jobs. What are we going to do? We have no reserve. What do we do? And we would just grab, I remember I grabbed Kim's hands and we'd say, God loves us. He cares for us. And we spoke them over and over and over because we need to hear God's promises and, and blend out the, all the other noises that come. Let God's truth be louder than the devil's lies. Right? Mark 5, uh, verse 6 says, uh, to be not afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. No matter the circumstance you're in, do not be afraid. Just believe and hold on to him because he'll get you through it. The scriptures teach us that suffering is actually a refining of faith. So maybe this starts to kind of explain a little bit of why does God allow this stuff to happen? 
I believe he loves us. He hasn't turned his back on us. But it's hard, and some of the circumstances that we might have gone through can be so challenging, but we have to, and people ask me all the time when I was in ministry, why did this happen? And I would say, I don't know. But I do know if we trust God in the process, he's going to make something good out of it. So we need to keep our eye on him. And so life circumstances is that first challenge I wanted to share with you that we face that sometimes pulls away that joy and that love that we had when we first accepted Jesus. But I'm going to tell you another one that came to my mind as I was praying through this that steals and robs that joy. And it's simply stated, it's sin. Sin. What happens when we sin? We grieve the Holy Spirit, the scriptures teach us, right? Paul writes, he says in in Ephesians 4, verse 30 to 32, he says, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed for by him for the day of redemption. It's done. That's that journey. We accepted Christ. It's sealed. It's signed. It's, it's there. It's complete. And then Paul says in this, he says, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And in verse 32, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. That's a sermon all of itself. That one right there, we could spend, we could spend a week. We can hit each one of those elements in there and talk about them. But the essence of that but you look at some of those things, right? What are some of the sins? We often think that sin is just those real ugly ones. Sin is defined as when we miss the mark. That means when someone is in need and I go, I'm too busy, I'm gonna move on. I've missed the mark. We don't call that sin. We call that, hey, we're busy, you know? But everything is, no matter how you go through it. And so you look at that list that we just read, you know, uh, simply we could dig in and say, is there bitterness? Is there anger? Yeah, I had a lot of anger and frustration at what happened down in Savannah. I first had to deal with my anger was towards God. But then I wasn't done. Part of that journey was, now, Hank, you need to get rid of that anger towards those people that I felt was offensive to us, that lied to us. But you know what? That's what God has called us to do. We're to, to, you know, we're, we're to love. We're to forgive and get rid of all that stuff. And the Holy Spirit, so when we don't do that and we let that overcome us, what happens? We have the Holy Spirit that lives inside us. It says it's grieved. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit that wants to jump with joy and shout like the example I gave when we first accepted Christ. It's sitting there going, just let me out. Let me up. Let me up. I say, a lot of times when we're in church, people say, let the Holy Spirit fall down. Hey, I always say, let the Holy Spirit rise up in each individual believer, and then those that don't know Christ, let the Holy Spirit fall upon them. You know, that's just a little semantics there, but the Holy Spirit wants to bubble up. But when we sin, no matter how egregious, how great or how small, we hinder that relationship with God, and the Holy Spirit is just wanting to do more through you. So I say again, like I said in the beginning, if you're here and you're not sure about this God thing, if you're here and you're struggling through a circumstance and you're like, I'm trusting God, thank God that's why you're here. The Holy Spirit has not left you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. No one can snatch you from the, the love of the Father. Uh, nothing can separate you from his love. So thank God you're here. Let him continue to love through. And, 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 and don't let sin get in the way of your life. I often look at that sin that most of us fall into is usually what I call the sin, it's a reaction, a reaction to the circumstances around us. You know, we let that get a hold of us. But there's also other kinds of sin where it's our choice because we're just selfish. There's a little thing that I do 
No one needs to know. God will forgive me. It's true. He will forgive you. You know, those are those sins of choice. I'm not going to list a bunch of sins and all that, but we all know what we're talking about. It could be something as simple as stealing, but what am I talking about? Well, I don't steal from a store. I might steal someone's joy. I might steal someone's innocence. I might steal someone's reputation because I deserve it, right? Lying and so forth. I could keep going. I wish I could tell you when I first accepted Jesus Christ that I never sinned again. I will tell you it was probably maybe about a week after. I remember that day, I rolled down the window of the car and I'm driving, and I don't even remember what it was. It, it, the devil wants you to, to live in the past, but we have a future and a hope, and you need to let it go and give it to God. But at that time, I, I was like crying, I had the window down, I'm like, Jesus, don't leave me! He doesn't. We gotta look to his word and his truth. But I did. But then again, okay, I've been a Christian now, we've been Christians for 32 years I would love to say, well, I just sinned the first few times. I got that under control. But we all have sin at all different stages and all different levels. And the devil wants to say you're not worthy. The devil wants to say you're no good. But the reality is that's not true. God loves you. He cares you, cares for you. But if we don't listen to what he's trying to teach us, what we end up doing, we start doing behaviors that God doesn't want us to do. Like, I'm going to skip church Sunday. Really? Okay. Maybe it's, you know, I'm going um, to let that person have it at work because the way they treated me, they got that job. Whatever that might be. But we grieve the Holy Spirit and it affects us and we do things that we normally wouldn't do. And the reality is God wants us to grow on that journey towards him. And if you're not growing to him, because a lot of times we go, well, I'm not going to get more involved. I'm not going to get closer there. I'm just going to keep God right here. He's inside you, right? But I'm going to keep my distance from the church thing. And the reality is, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. This, this is the sin of hurt and rejection, failure and reaction. But it's also the sin of, of, um, of, of choice. We serve our flesh. It really is the root of, of all sin, is selfishness. We do what we want to do. Think about what happened in the Garden of Eden, right? Right from the very beginning. So you're, you know, we weren't the first. But when she took of that apple, right, because it looked good, it tasted good, it would give her knowledge of the things of God. She wanted it. She gives it to Adam. And what do they do immediately? They hide from God. They grieve the Holy Spirit. They hid. And then when uh, God finds Adam in the Garden of Eden, he then says, um, where, who, you know, who told you you were naked? <laughs> What's going on here? And he, what does he do? Like we all do? It was her fault. It was her fault. It wasn't my fault. It was her fault. And so that's what happens. We start to do this. And some people learn to even fake it and just go through the motions. But you know what? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. It's, the Bible says in the depths of hell, he is there. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's, the Bible teaches that Jesus knew the hearts of the Pharisees that were trying to trick him and, 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 and capture him and, and, and do all the things they do. Uh, God knows our heart. And the reality is, is that you can try to be like Jonah, right? That hid and was swallowed up in the belly of a whale. But remember what happened. God spit him out on the shore of Nineveh, and he had to face the very thing that he was running from. You can't outrun God. You need to face it. And as a believer, you better, and we need to face it now and not wait to the day of judgment. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
Enter in. I don't want to hear, well, you just kind of made it, but come on in. I mean, I, I do. I want to at least hear that at a minimum, right? <laughs> it's that journey that can be redeemed. Yes, it can be redeemed, regardless of the sin, whether it's, it's some little sin that we say, it's still sin. Whether it's something we go, no, God can't forgive us. Yes, he can. And so what did we do? We hold on to Romans 5, verse 8, that says, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us even when we didn't deserve it. He loves us even when we sin. He's there reaching out, calling out, putting people in your path, orchestrating all the little details, even to a little eight-year-old girl named Natalia in second grade, because he wants you. He loves you. He cares for you. And that's for everybody. Anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? Absolutely. We might think we don't deserve it. Well, that's true. We don't deserve it. But God loves us anyway. And another thing that we do in that area of sin that tends to affect our relationship with God we don't deal with it. We might say, okay, God forgives me, but then we live in the regret. That's not forgiveness. That's, you've, not, you've, you've been forgiven, but now you need to forgive yourself. Okay? God forgives every morning. Every morning. And that's what Kim and I would hold on to. His mercies are new every morning. I remember when we were first seeking, we were going to this church. We hadn't accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but we're, we're, we're getting closer, and God's wooing us and drawing us. I would skip church on Sundays to go play golf. And then Kim's like, we got to go back. I said, no, Reverend Allen's going to re remember I wasn't here last week. You know, maybe we can sneak in, you know, at the right time. So we finally show up at church, right? And there's Reverend Allen. Sorry, I haven't been here for a few Sundays. You know what he said? He said, Hank, I'm just glad you're here. I experienced the grace of the Father in a little statement to us that just transformed my life. I was like, wow. I didn't even understand it yet, but I started to experience and see it. I tell you, we need to hold on to Lamentations uh, chapter 3, verse 22, that says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Every day is a new day. It's a new day. Hey, you messed up this morning. It's okay. Start over right after church. Well, actually, start over now. Right? Don't wait after church. We'll have an opportunity to, to pray and say, God, I want to restart. I, I, I want to focus and live in your promises and your truth. And the good news is, is when we start and we fall down, we can just get back up and keep running. Paul says, run the race in a way to win, to obtain the prize of the upward call of heaven, right? Run, run. You don't have to start at the beginning. Just get up and run. It's like a marathon. Life is like a marathon. So run in a way to win the race. So when I think about this too, I immediately think of folks that kind of take it to the other side and they go, they abuse the grace. God is gracious. But don't live in the abuse because you're just preventing all that God wants to do in your life. Live in the promises. Live in the promises. And, 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 and if we, if ultimately what I'm trying to say here is, is, you know, some people try to give God's grace as an excuse to sin, but let's not abuse it. Let's use it as the way God intended because his grace is sufficient. 
So those two things were two big reasons, right, that can really hinder that relationship, that can kind of get in the way. And I want to encourage you that, you know, with the promises and the hope here, we don't have to live in those. But circumstances happen. We make bad choices, but God has given us the promise how to get through it in this journey. So as I mentioned, these two things, these happen a lot, uh, you know, particularly the, the story in Savannah towards the end of my paid ministry. And I, I say that on purpose because we're all in ministry, okay? You don't have to have a paycheck to do it. And I can tell you I'm doing more things in ministry that I'm doing today than I did when maybe when I was on staff, okay? So, um, but that's a whole other sermon as well. So, when David and Lois asked us this question, have you experienced God on our porch? What was going on in my life? Well, during the middle, it was probably in the middle of the 10 years of full-time ministry. I think it was around this time. I could be wrong a little bit, Lois. But one of the things, man, it's getting hot up here. I'm going to get a Kleenex. And uh, one of the things that um, we were doing, we were building a $9 million sanctuary in, you know, in 2024. It's like 20 years ago. So that's probably like a $25 million sanctuary. And we were just part of a team. We were doing everything we could, everything we could to get it ready for Christmas. We worked hard. We got to open it up. We made the mistake of telling everybody it would be ready by Christmas. And we're working hard. We're trying to get everything open. And I remember Christmas morning saying to Kim, crying and saying, I've been so busy. I missed Christmas. And I would say one of the things, and it's probably something that we can all relate to more than maybe the first two examples, is that busyness, distractions, not having time with God is some of the biggest things that pull us away from that love and that relationship. He'll never leave you or forsake you, but we begin to hinder that. So what was going on in my life at that time? I was the Martha of the Martha and Mary and Lazarus story, right? Jesus comes back to be with Lazarus, to have time. Martha, Mary's sitting at the foot of Jesus as he's teaching and, he's, and, and expounding at Martha. What is she doing? She's getting things ready and she's barking at Martha, I mean Mary, and and saying, hey, she needs the help. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, she's doing the right thing. She's paused. She's not gotten so busy. You see, folks, those that know me, I am a bit of a Martha. I joke a lot of times. I say, yeah, Martha's here. I'm a, I'm a doer. That's who I am. I'm a doer at work. I'm a doer at church. You see me running around with hospitality. And it's like, you know, Keith's like, hey, hey, slow down. <laughs> I'm like, I, I got stuff to do. I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm the type of guy, but if we've got something to do, and so say, hey, we've got to stop and pray first, I'm like, okay. You know, I know that's not right. You know, we pray, and I, and I get back to work. I know that's not right, but we need to recognize this. We need to make sure that we spend time with God. We were so, I was so busy in the ministry that it took the time for David Lois to say, have you ever really experienced God? And I was busy. I was doing my stuff. You know, we need to stop and slow down and smell the roses. We need to, you know, take that time. Psalms 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. This is the third challenge that I hope that we all listen to that might apply to many of us. I know it applies to me, even as, as early as this week. It was a crazy week this week. Had to do a lot of stuff, but I did make sure I was ready for today. Okay? But that doesn't happen every week. 
You know, this wears on the relationship. It wears on the zeal for God. Um, we were traveling last weekend, but I guess Sam's message was talking about the importance of studying and prayer time and having that alone time with God. Uh, Evie's message, I never even told Evie this, but she shared a message about a month or so ago about pursuing wisdom, pursuing God, pursuing his love. And that kind of just stuck with me. And I'm going, I'm so busy doing things for the kingdom of God. I'm so busy at work. I'm so busy for the family that I'm not taking the time that is needed to be alone and have intimacy with God. I was playing tennis with a friend of mine yesterday, and he said, and I was telling him a little bit about what I was going to share, and he said, it's kind of like a kid with a new toy. Man, it's the most exciting thing you've ever had. Just play with it every day. It's everything you want, everything you have, and then over time, you're like, yeah, I'll play with it, and you put it aside. Have we done that with our own relationship with Jesus? The good news is he loves you. You know, I started our stories. I'm about to bring this uh, a little bit to an end. In the beginning of our story, I, I shared with you my love for Kim. So in love with Kim. 34 years, you know, as I said, we were 10, right? When we started dating, I mean, I was on the phone talking to Kim for hours. For you young folks, it was a box on the wall. You, you peeled it off. You had to listen for a dial tone. Then you dialed it. You know? There's a video out there that shows uh, kids these days not knowing how to use a phone like that. It's hilarious. But in any case, I'd get on the phone, and I'd listen to every word Kim said, every word she would speak. I wanted to know everything about her, what she liked, what she didn't like, what, you know, what was her favorite dessert, what was, you know, all those things. Everything was like that. Kim, and I listened to everything she would say. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wasn't busy. I stopped. You know, Kim, I'm sorry I'm not doing that all the time. But I'm in love with you today even more than I was 34 years ago. I share that story, not to get in a good side with Kim, but that should help, right? <laughs> but that's the analogy of our relationship with God. So if you're in that situation, you're sitting there kind of like, wow, you know, it's, it's not the same as it was five years ago, two years ago, yesterday, whatever it might be. We need to have that moment every day, including myself. I've gotten busy at work and say, I'll pray on my way in the car. That's not good enough. I know that. Here's my confession. You know, I do that a lot, actually, because I'm on the road. I'm like, oh, I'll pray in the car. I'll listen to the Bible in the car. Oh, you know, all that. You're, you're not 100% focused when you're driving the car. If you are, that's dangerous. Okay, but we need to do that daily. We need to do that hourly. And I'll tell you, in seminary, one of the things they had us do, they said, take a day off, take 24 hours, and give every second to God. I mean, literally, we had to think about God, talk about God, pray about God. It wasn't easy, I'll be honest with you, but we did it, and it was mind-blowing. Why don't I do that still today? Take that time, take a retreat, get away, spend time. Spend five minutes a day alone with God if you're not already. Whatever it is, don't be in condemnation about it. If you're only doing one minute and quick, make it two tomorrow. If you're one of those that does a really good study and you're there and you're researching and you're reading the word of God and you become a great theologian, but you're not praying, take some of that time and pray. Add on to it. It says Martin Luther, the great reformer, spent four or five hours a day in prayer. And then look what he wrote and did. I fall guilty all the time where I sit there, I'm so busy, I don't have time. But every time I do surrender and not be so busy, and I give him that time, he gives it back to me twofold. 
So why don't I do it? Well, I, I think for me, it might be because I, eh, God loves me. He'll, he'll forgive me. I'll start tomorrow. Don't wait. Don't wait. It's easy to miss the journey that God has planned out for you, a future and a hope every step of the way. And we're all on this journey, different parts of it, different stages. Sometimes we're at the mountaintop. Sometimes we're in the valley. So in short, don't let life circumstances pull that relationship. Draw closer to him. Don't make the personal choices, whether you feel you deserve it or it's just selfish uh, wants. And you'll be like, oh, God will forgive me. Yeah, he will. Don't let that get in the way of your relationship. So maybe there's some of you here today and said, you know, I haven't been living the way I want to live. I haven't done right, and I almost didn't come to church today. But you came. That's God. He loves you. He's wooing you. He's drawing you. Make your commitment to today that his mercies are new every morning. He loves me. He cares for me. It's going to be transformational. I'm not looking back because God's word and truth is better than the devil's word and lies. And I'm going to take time and give him the time that is needed and required to have that intimate relationship like we do when we first married our loved one, right? You know, one of the things in, uh, I was going to share, but I'm going to get very short because I know we're at that point of time, is that um, when we came back from Savannah, I mean, we, we drove back from Savannah. We couldn't wait to get back home around friends and family. It's so important to have friends and family. I'm so excited. Two years, and I feel like we're all family. And I remember we drove home 16 hours nonstop. We stopped, I think, at Starbucks for coffee. 16 hours. <laughs> drove home to Connecticut. Couldn't get home fast enough. Went to church the next morning. You know, a lot of people be like, ah, I'm tired. Ah, you know, this was a mess. Uh, you know, but we chose. We chose Jesus. And we got in the church, and the first message that was shared that day, um, it was the story of Abraham and Isaac and how God said to Abraham, right? We all know the story. Sacrifice your son at the altar. And we all know the story that God provided a ram and a sacrifice, but he was faithful. And that story is found in Genesis 22, and it says, Now after these things, God put Abraham to the test. Hmm. I started to think about that word test. And said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And then all the way down the story of Isaac and, and Abraham at, at the mountain we know. And Genesis twenty two eighteen says, And your seed will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, because you have done what I gave you orders to do. He passed the test. And, you know, sometimes we are put to test. You say, well, really? That's the God we serve? Well, James says in one uh, twelve, it says, Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In case we missed it, that one Sunday, God then started putting people in our path. And, and to, still to this day, I, got, I couldn't believe it. That short little journey in Savannah, Someone actually reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, Pastor Hank, I know it was a short journey, but God used it to do some things in my life. And I was like, whoa. All things work together for good for those who love God according to his plan. We just have to hold on to that and trust no matter the circumstance. I thank God that I didn't give up because of circumstances. I thank God I didn't give up because of some of the bad choices I made. 
And I thank God I'm not giving up because I'm getting so busy and distracted that I don't have time for God. I know it. I declare it. This is my confession to you all. I need to be more Mary and less Martha and get at the foot at the feet of Jesus. And you know what? Yeah, despite those circumstances and things that have happened, I'm blessed. God is blessed. I, I hinted a little bit. I, in some ways, I, Lois, you know, we work together, right? Dave was doing all the ministry and, and the altar and, and worship. And I, in some ways, I, I feel that God is allowing me to take all those circumstances and do even more things for him today. It, it's just wonderful. I have a Bible study of men that aren't believers on Friday mornings. It's, it's getting exciting. It's been a journey, but it's starting to get exciting. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? And even in Savannah, you see, God wants us to grow. And this is where we bring it in. And if the musicians want to come up, um, we're going to have a moment to respond. He wants us to grow. It starts with the do life. That's where it starts. So if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ today, make the decision to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And this test thing, right? We could break into all of this. But God, as we're growing in that journey, it's not that he doesn't love us. But he's, you know, when we're first saved, he's, 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 we're wrapped so tightly in him. But now he pulls that hedge back. Why does he do that? It's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he just wants to see you, how you respond. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow and so that we can be used for his purpose and glory. Every experience, every circumstance, if we hold on to Jesus in it, God will use it may not be for a couple years. Maybe tomorrow you're going to be able to share and give the testimony of our opening verse of that hope that is within you. Why do we have this hope? Because of not only because of God's love, but it's also because of, of um, where was I going with that? We, we, it's, it's, let me erase that last statement. <laughs> it simply is that, that I lost my train of thought. It doesn't matter. So we're going to just go from there. But it's, it's I'm going to just back up, right? He wants us to grow and use us to spread his love. You know, as I said, this is where I was going. I knew where I was going with this. Is that um, I said purposely, I, I'm no longer a paid minister. I don't really care. I say jokingly, I actually kind of mean it. I can say no on Sundays, <laughs> right? Ministry is tough, folks. We need to continue to pray for all those that are giving every moment and day of their life and making sacrifices from the worship team to our, 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 our pastoral team, to Pastor David, Lois, everybody, Davey, the whole team, Madison, Joe, everybody. Pray for them. They're making sacrifices. And it's, the devil wants to rob that joy, but we need to continue to lift them up, and I know we do. And I'm thankful that Kim and I chose Jesus during those circumstances, and you can too. So let me leave you with this challenge. As a believer, we are all on a journey with Jesus. Pay attention. Listen, you can't pay attention if you're busy, right? Spend time with God. Learn from your mistakes. Don't get hung up on them. And get excited and count it all joy. Count it all joy when life's trials come at you. That's a challenge. But I know it's possible, right? Disciples say, said to Jesus about a different circumstance. He says, how is this possible? He says, with God, with man, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. So hold on. And if you're not on that journey, if there's somebody, I recognize just about everybody here. I think everybody. But if you're not on that journey, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to an altar. 
I'm going to ask you to come forward, you know, and say, I want to be on this journey with Jesus. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. I want that Holy Spirit relationship that you're talking about. Nod me on the shoulder. You know, I'd love to pray with you. And for the rest of us, maybe as you come, they're going to play one song, and then Pastor Jim's going to um, close us, um, pray and dismiss us. But during this one song, if you feel so comfortable, why don't you all stand with me? As we bring this to a close. Maybe during this song, God's speaking to you about circumstances. Maybe that prayer during this song would be, help me look past circumstances. Realize you still have a future and a hope. Is that you? Are you going through something that's so difficult? You're like, I don't know how to do it. Come to an altar and pray. Maybe some of you are struggling with some sin. Maybe there's some areas that you've kind of kept quiet. It's good to confess your sin to one another, but come to an altar and confess it to Jesus. Get alone and pray and say, Lord, I want to receive and understand that your mercies are new every morning. I'm not going to live in regret. I'm going to run this race to the end. I'm going to get back up, shake off the dust, and run in a way that I've never run before. You could do that right now. And lastly, give me the strength, God. Maybe that's your prayer, to pursue you, to renew that love like I did when I first accepted you into my life. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.